podcast we're back just hostful goodness this time to steal a quote from the nerdist podcast hostful? just what full full of hosting full of hosting yeah when they first started doing non-guest episodes they said host they said hostless or guest no guestless which sounded negative so then they were like oh host full it's full of hosts i thought you meant like full of like like speaking hosts, of which, like 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 christian hosts that the, scary the, the lady who wrote that terrible series religion joke uh, Twilight is getting her movie, uh, her book, The Host, as a movie. Now I as know. a movie, I know. For some strange reason, they believe giving giving Stephanie Myers more money is going to help the world. You realize pop culture doesn't hate Stephanie Myers as much as intellectuals hate her, right? Even if the last two Twilight hey, movies were horrible flops. Uh, no, they actually did like box office money. By the way. They were bad. Following up with last week's episode, so I got to see Kita's new act last Friday. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. So what she did was she dressed like a Vegas showgirl, but danced to a bump and grind song, bumping and grinding on stage. So it had this classic look, but this very urban Is that like a dance. genre? Bump and grind? Well, I mean... Bump and apostrophe? Grind. I probably would I like the reverse, where she's in hip-hop clothes and everything like that, but, but doing, doing a, a straight-up classic Could be next. showgirl style. <laughs> Instead of next. fans like dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was it was very awesome and I enjoyed it a lot. Um I, I am the very sh- awesome. The, not you, Kita. The oh. show went very surprise, well. Surprise, surprise, Jana is Kita, actually. <laughs> That's scary. John is I truly Kita. I really You were would, doing two voices last week. Admit I'm, I'm fairly it. certain that you do not want me up on stage taking clothes off. Never, ever, in a million years. I'm sure ever. there's a fan base somewhere out there, a very perturbed fan base that desires that of you. <laughs> I really wish the crickets could be heard right now. I really yeah, wish people too. could see the you There should, are crickets. We should just take to, that uh, pause and you should just edit crickets in. There you go. Really? Now I'm going to edit crickets in? I'm editing beeps in? How much stuff do you want me to edit, man? You're the editor. Yeah, that's kind of how that works. Once you, you took up the mantle. You editors. <laughs> And you My brag about it, too. <laughs> Everything's just a lie. Um, we, did, we didn't do this, but we're going to make it happen. Postscript. Um, also, um, to give a heads up, since why go an episode without talking about the Waystation? Um, a week from this Thursday, the Wasties, uh, Bro- Brogan Hungry, and Painless Parker are playing at the Waystation. It's a Thursday night. Um, you should definitely come out. It's a fun night of music and drinking. I think they're playing one Thursday a month for the... For the entire summer into the fall, so many opportunities to get to see them. Hmm. So uh, music and drinking. Yeah, we should go drinking at more bars and music find more and bands. drinking. That's well, the we Waystation has a new act on every day of the week. They always have bands on, unless it's like a big event. And even then, before the events, they usually have bands on. That's wow. Yeah, they got some scratch now. He's been doing big, big promotion for music. If you like music and you like drinking, this may be the venue for you. Wow. If you can stand 
hipsters and you like music and you like drinking. It's only hipster. Oh, yeah, it on is the kind of a night. hipster venue. No. It's, no, admit it, admit it. It's like it's okay, not. even it. the usuals at karaoke are full hipsters. No, okay. Have I already no, gone oh, over no. this? I'm not completely anti-hipster. It depends on the type of hipster you're talking about. You're talking about nerdy These are cool. The late night, the late night weekends is it, hipsters wander into that bar because the neighborhood it's in. But the regulars who are there during the week and before ten o'clock at night are not. It's the typical nerdy crowd that you would expect. But yes, I'm just saying, hipsters and also is something good for our society, which is make the way station a better place. Mm. Not no, a better place, but just give it more money. <laughs> Anyway, um, moving right along into our album this week. Ah, uh, this so, week. So this week... I, I heard have... a blow horn somewhere. I'm sure that was probably for the album. <laughs> honk it's album time! Honk, whole, honk if you're depressed! All of Staten Island knows it. Um, we the, have... Him's Tears on Tape. So him... If you want to get ready for him, break out the black eyeliner, get emotional, because we're going to get emotional with him. So him's a band... From Finland. Um, We're not getting that emotion. Who... Formerly uh, called. His Infernal Majesty and her. And I think him and her also at one point. Yeah, I was curious They had a bunch that. of different what's, names. What's the deal with that? I'm, it... I'm not sure... There's not a lot of explanation as to the backstory of why they changed their name so much. They just it did. It explains where the music is gone because if she left, then it's just him. Which is why he seems to be focusing on love uh, and death. Oh, yeah, that's it. So maybe they, you know, there was... What were they, to- what were they talking about during that year? Probably just love. They have love songs. Right here in your arms is a love song. There's nothing depressing about that one. Why would you talk about... But they have love. They, they seem to only talk about things they want. So, if you got it. That's you know. not true. Anyway. That's not fully true. To continue my intro. Well, we're gonna... So, him, him is a band that I got into in late high school, early college. Because they didn't make come over to America until about 2003. They had been around before that, but they didn't really... Get any, get any traction in the States until about 2003. I had heard and them in high school. They existed. They just yeah. they didn't really get over there. There was an underground. You're also two them. years behind me. You were still in high school when I was in college. No, no, no. From 99 to 2003, which yeah. is when I was in high school. Everybody knows my age now, if they do the math. Um, they had a little bit of a small following in my school. So the reason I chose this album... <laughs> Thank you for doing that. <laughs> The, the, the reason I chose this album is because I was a big fan of this band when they'd first come out. I, it was just different from anything I'd heard at the time as far as a band that was kind of heavier, that focused on love and death and kind of more this, this emotional packed music. So it hooked me pretty early on and I listened to it a lot. And then somewhere around the late 2000s, they released an, an album called Venus Doom, which was more artsy and less about love and death. Or as blatantly about love and death as like the more predictable stuff even we found on the, the record today. Mm. So I kind of got turned off because listening to him, whether it was it evolved or not, you listen to him because you expected something. I had an expectation. They weren't the greatest band, but I had an expectation of their sound, and the Venus Doom kind of shifted. Then another album came out after that that I didn't listen to at all, and then I found out recently that the new one, Tears on Tape, came out. So I figured, let's go back and listen. And the minute I turned on the record driving home from Boston this weekend... Eight I years, got, eight year time machine, pretty much? Pretty much. Yeah. As soon as I turned on the record, the first track played, and I'm sitting in the car with Sarah as we're driving back from Boston, and I'm like, well, okay, this is exactly what I expected. And then listen to it, and I mean, I thought it was... I liked it, and it wasn't necessarily good or great, but I liked it because it's what I expected. Well, from him, it's what I expected. Didn't you have a similar experience with Eve Six? Who had taken a very long uh, hiatus, 
And they came back and they were exactly as they were um, in the early 2000s. Yeah, but but with with but with Eve Six, they did enough with they didn't break the mold as far as '90s get, did, but they broke the mold as far as Eve Six did. They 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 evolved a little bit. Well, granted, Eve Six is by no stretch metal. Yeah, but there is definitely an emo quality similarity I feel to both bands in the word emotion, um, not not the stigma of the emo, t- the tone. But yeah, yeah, the tone. Maybe not not the the distortion or the grit, but in the tone, the no, general no. melancholy vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had heard a lot of stuff like uh, like him back in high school, and I'm a little bit long- younger than you, so uh, by the time I was in high school, everything that you were listening to was passe. <laughs> Right, but everything uh, that you listen to is kind of passe. Well, it depends. No, no, my opinion is correct. That's true. I'm really older than you, like fifty years older than you. Yeah, that's, that's true. the truth. Yeah, but um, old man Steve, indeed. But Quite. yeah, when it comes to this stuff, I don't know. It 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 really does, it really does reek of the early two thousands. And oh, I've cool. said that before with some other bands that we've discussed. Um, I'm a little sensitive to it, perhaps because it's a throwback to you know when you were younger. It's just that that stuff kind of sticks in whatever right. whatever situation well, you are in. You recognize the sound, the tone, the people you were talking to. There's just there's a vibe. Yeah, but I guess like while you're looking at it a little negatively, for me, like once I heard it, like I said, the minute it kicked in, I was brought back to that time, and I looked fondly like re- listening to him. Oh no, there are some fond it, memories it, it even was, for me too. It was, but it, for me, this listening to this album was rediscovering the band almost because it was just so was so predictable as their old stuff. But I also which know isn't that necessarily a good thing. That musically, I feel like I've really evolved since that time. I do too, but I just because I've evolved most, doesn't most mean people, I can't enjoy should, the, over the, the course of that yeah, many but years. Just, yes, but even if you've evolved musically, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy things that haven't changed. They're fighting. And oh yeah, we you haven't got, even they, got into it yet. I'm enjoying true. this. We're, <laughs> we're having a, uh, a a youth discussion, a youth debate. I'm join sitting, join John in the youth debate. Oh, I'm just sitting back here chuckling because it's usually me and Steve, and you two are just going at it now. That's true, Matt. You you have points. Right, it happens. <laughs> Matt's not dying this week. We'll put it that way. Well, that's let's All right, put let's, some. Yeah, uh, let's get into the meat. That's yeah. fair. So the first track is "Unleash the Red," which is uh, uh, the intro track to the record. As far as intros go, it was fairly solid and had a clever bit. So it's called "Tears on Tape," and the start of the very first track is the clicking of a cassette player closing. Which and I didn't notice that the very first time around. Me so, neither. Yeah. And, and what I really liked about this is it felt like, without being cliche, it felt like an old school Super Nintendo RPG intro. It felt very Which basic. was, during yeah, that, that metal experimentation, it was actually quite reminiscent of, you know, Final Fantasy. And that's where we should really pull back from our previous discussion, because we were talking about a lot of, you know, oh yeah, this is indicative of uh, late 90s, early 2000s, but this, this particular track, there are elements throughout this album that are throwback much earlier to late 80s, early 90s stuff, um, when metal was... Probably a lot grittier than it eventually became. Yeah. <laughs> or than also, the pop mainstream. I mean, to became. say from the beginning, so there's been a lot of discussion about him genre specifically. As far as bands go, you know, they, they, they've kind of dubbed themselves and been dubbed by their fans love metal. But in reality, they, they've never really had huge qualities of metal. It's been more along the lines of alt rock or pop rock or even goth there's, rock. There's, there's well, let's con- not even get into the love metal yet, because at this point, you know, in terms of uh, my experience with this album, I was expecting something totally different. Right. At this this track, I mean, it was spacey. It was it was very ethereal. It was eerie and haunting. It yeah. was 
how to describe this. The band itself, did. I get no, no, no. The band itself is is an amalgamation of a variety of different styles because a lot of their various uh, albums have been called different things. They seem to not quite evolve, but to sidestep into a different genre with each of their yeah. albums. They don't quite keep their same tones. Sidestep, that's a good word for it. Yeah. This, this is a really just an instrumental breakdown with some like mid-80s, late-80s synth work thrown into a very alt-style rock. As far oh, I'm as... sorry to say I wanted more of this. I really did. Got me very hopeful. It did. Because while I did liken it to video games, I have to say it wasn't cliche. But as far as intros go to a record, I think this was a very good intro track. It wasn't great, but it was very good no, because it conveyed exactly where the album should have gone. Did should have so gone at you're, later. You're, you're pretty much summarizing yeah. the negative that I'm about to get into is that yeah, it's a good album. Uh, sorry, it's a good intro for an album that didn't happen. And well, part of it is that they jumped. Like this is reminiscent of the last record that I had heard by them. It was more experimental, a little different, and then they jumped back into. They're comfortable, um, you know, Sweet 666 I, I, I question shoes. that choice. Of course, the album is called Tears on Tape. You can, you can venture some guesses as to how emo it's really going to be. Um, First, or or okay. how, perhaps, how high school it's really going to be. Mixtape generation and such. Yes, actually. And the first track is All Lips Go Blue. This is the first vocal track. And as I was listening to this track, I made a list. Heavy guitar, check. Repetitive nature in the verse chorus, check. High short tones, check. Distortion, check. This is the formula of what you need to make metal. <laughs> and the composition of this song was not metal. Metal for dummies. It was... That's mean. It was a pop track with everything that's metal in it. It was a, it was a pop rock track. It you was know, a rock track. <sighs> I don't know if you guys remember, but sometime back in the 90s, they used to release these cassette tapes, um, classical music, for people who don't listen to classical music. Yeah, which would have, like, you know, like the biggest, most famous, most impactful... Uh, it was the four dummies thing. Yeah, like, you know, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Like, yeah, of course, that's going to probably stir something in you, even if you're not a classical kind of person. I feel like this is a similar kind of thing for metal. Like, all right, you might not be into the really heavy, grungy, gritty stuff, but here's a nice melody with that with that facade. But as far as checklists go, for him, this first track was him. Completely in a nutshell based on their previous work. Or based on what you showed me their previous work. I, yeah. It, it was exactly what I expected to hear. And that's why I don't think I... The problem is, is that you guys went into it expecting something else. And I expected this. And I got it. Well, that's well, not necessarily a good thing. But that's why I'm not as jarred by it, I think, as you are. I, mm. I won't say jarred. I'm no, gonna yeah, say jarred is not the word jarred, for it. Disappointed. Disappointed. Uh, because right. we had, got in this song... We had a spacey intro. I mean, that's yeah. what I wanted. I wanted some... It gave us something cool. I was like, oh, wow, this will be fun. And then, oh, what happened? That's we got thing. verse, chorus, verse, chorus, chorus. Breakdown, solo, chorus, chorus. And that became a formula for the entire album. In truth... I thought I was getting metal. Instead, I got metal. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think uh, that sums up my this, impressions this right This track here. had a powerful start, though, and it was definitely straight up just a sad My Love Killed You track, almost. So oh. it was just kind of a very sad track, but 
the thing about him is that a lot of their they'll do sad songs that are slow and melodic and sad, and then they'll do fast faster paced sad songs as well. This is one of the faster paced sad songs. I'm you know what. This is in between. This is not as quite as fast as their earlier work. No, I would say it's but almost it like they hybrid. The yeah. yeah, they hybrid. Uh, hybrid. It's a hybrid. They, they put the two together. Good job, John. And made one. <laughs> that was on. in the between and had traits of both. Um, Moving on to track. I, I, I want to oh. comment about the solo for a second. Extremely here. unimpressive. I actually liked it. Oh, it was oh great. wow! You liked it. I, I did really like it. This solo. I, I, I was giving know. you credit at this point. I want. I was looking for something a little bit unique. I, I got it in the solo. It broke away from the rest of the track. I didn't. I don't know. It's not. It, look, it's not a a mind bending solo or anything. But it was good. It was good. It was a good solo. Okay. And it was a nice change. Because my main critique for these early tracks, we're gonna get in that. We're gonna get into that right here. Uh, with, uh, love without tears, is that their verses. Eh, very uncreative, as far as I'm concerned. The melodies are just kind of... It feels like they've they've been written before. Even if they haven't, it feels like they've been written before. There's just something about them that really grabs me. And it's funny you say that, because what I wrote... Well, first of all, the, the emotion for this song was clearly longing and dismay, this kind of distance. But I wrote... I'm, wait, wait, wait. Before you move on, I want to refute that. Okay. Because it feels like... I I got an emotion of cheapness in love, like it wasn't true love, and they were kidding themselves, and their love was cheap because it was truly unemotionally invested. Okay, I can see you that. You can see that. Okay, then but, it's not just me. But it's funny that you say that it sounds like it's done before because the first thing I wrote down when I heard this track was standard hymn for, for this band. There you go. That's exactly this is this is the band hymn. If you turn on a hymn <laughs> record, you'll hear this. Freudian slip. I, 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 when you first said that, I, I thought him like H Y M M. Oh no. Yeah. I wrote but, down. But it's both. I'm gonna write the in same many thing. ways. It has that that old school vibe. Yeah. And this one, this is uh, once again. I enjoyed the intro. Uh, I hated that they lost the intro so quickly, and this became a running theme. It oh, went from yes. an, uh, yep. a nice, great build-up <laughs> intro into this soft, pretty divorced melody. And and didn't quite get that gritty original nature back into the song. I didn't notice it as much in this track, but it became more apparent as one track went on to the next. Yeah. Uh, second thing, choruses. I felt much the same way about the choruses as I did about the verses. I'm nowhere. It's, it's kind of leaning toward the negative here, but it's just how I felt. The choruses struck me as very, uh, kind of juvenile, in terms of that. Just you know, get up, get together, and shout it out as one. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with that. I just was... I I didn't hear a message in the music itself. Even if the lyrics were carrying one, I didn't I didn't hear something unifying there for me. I think it was the guitar work, and this is where it becomes very apparent because it starts with Love Without Tears. During the chorus, the guitar work tends to drown out his voice, oh, which damages the message in the chorus. No, it does, because there... That, let's talk about a positive here. The vocal work. I actually really do like his voice. It's not. Uh, he Melo has a really has impressive a great range. range. Yeah, he's primarily a baritone, but a lot of this album is actually spent in the upper register mm-hmm. and in his falsetto, which uh, he has this tendency. In when he's in a falsetto, he does this very slow vibrato. It kind of swells in and out. Mm-hmm. It's unique. It almost reminds me of Aaron Neville. Anyone ever hear Aaron yeah, Neville from uh, Self-Titled? Yeah, he's his own. I solo don't know. Artist. Yeah. yeah, but um, 
Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, it's the interesting thing about that, unique. though. The interesting thing about him, and I will agree on this album especially. After going back and listening to a lot of their older stuff over the weekend, this album particularly, his voice is not as prominent. Whereas on the the first couple of records, his voice was the focus, and everything else was back backing it. And I think that is bent on production, like John started to say. And the vocals should be they should be taking the forefront, yeah. but it just seemed like. Something in the mixing board, they... And it's, it's so strange for this band, because this band was all about the message, and love, and death, and lyrically, they they surpassed a lot of the other things musically that they did. The music itself, I have to say, is just a little bit empty. Therefore, mm-hmm. when you turn that up, I'm not sure how to feel. I mean, I was searching for the emotions here, but yes, if you're just listening to it plainly, it's going to be a lot harder to find the emotion in the tracks. I was able to find them, but I'll admit on the first listen when I was driving, I didn't find those emotions. I found them here today looking for them. But on the first listen, I didn't. Yeah, you shouldn't have to strain to look for an emotion. I agree. Okay. Going for emotions, the next song, next track, I Will Be The End Of You was the first really emotional track. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I'm really enjoying the lyrics of the songs. Um, and there was a clear message that was a little distorted at first, but after talking about it with John, it was clear of this. This is about sadistic love, fearful love, this fear and sadism for this love that you know is going to destroy someone, but you can't get enough of it and still want it. Yes, this is a full self-destructive love. Yeah. And he wants it to happen with lines like, love screaming, I will be the end of you, and I'm pleading, don't you stop now. I like that. I like that little tidbit. That was the chorus. I like that. This and was one of the that... better songs up lyrically. until this point. Yeah. Lyrically, this was solid. Okay. I'll take that point and kind of twist it up a bit because I didn't really gauge that from the music at all. Uh, the music itself, while it wasn't bad, it was another throwback to the 80s. It kind of felt like it was borrowing from Depeche Mode, which I read is one of their influences. Um, it's it's just kind of strange. It is a little bit, seemed a little bit lighthearted in that sense. You you mesh up lighthearted with sadistic. Well, we, we well you you end up you you end up back in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> and I well, end up feeling also very little. we've discussed and I've mentioned from the beginning. Him does that a lot in their music. Their music won't always match the lyrics emotionally, and it's added to that kind of confusion. I mean, as far as emotions go, love is one of the most confusing. And it's a oh, think of, and I think it's a play on that. But also, in this, it, it was clear. It was much clearer from the lyrics than from from the from the music. But that's a lot of him. A lot of their music is very much riding on the lyric to carry the message, not the music. The music is just music. Fair enough. And once again, and that's, we have a problem. That's not right, and that's not necessarily a good thing. I'm just saying that's usually how they operate. Um, it, it did give me yeah, hope. those crickets again. <laughs> this song gave me hope, and the following song, Tears on Tape, once again, gave me a little bit of hope that they're evolving here. No, that did. And I thought that was a really, really interesting choice that the single, well, the title track... The single. ...should have sounded kind of, almost less singly than the previous uh, four tracks, which, well, the previous three tracks, which... All seem to be singles. Singles right after one after the other. Yeah. This lost some of the pop feel to it. It lost the formulaic nature. A uh, little it, bit. It, a, a little not bit. extreme. It was still but... quite verse chorus. Yeah. And in this instance, I have to. I, I got to point out two things. One positive. This is the first instance where I'm actually really appreciating 
the keyboard the the keyboard work the higher tones that they were using throughout their music first time I'm actually feeling like it complements their their sound yeah it's subtle and that adds to the lighthearted nature which again I suppose you could go back and forth on it it depends what you want here do you want the raw emotion that you'd like to gather from the lyrics in which case I'm not sure if it works really because it, it's I enjoy the keyboard work yes it complements it very nicely but it's it's somewhat it keeps it light lighthearted it's so it's like chimes, you know. You, mm, it has that chimes effect. don't always mean lighthearted. No, it's of course not, but in this context, they does. Bells. I don't know. So I mean, I don't. It's think always it resolving felt that it back to major usually. I but mean, I, yeah. I don't think it felt that lighthearted in this song. No, it had a, it had a darkness, and okay, quoting some of the lines. Um, while I liked chorus work and the lyrical work, such as lines as "Darkness falls, settling the score with love." For once and for all, soaked in blood, I cry. I mean, there's dark. Okay. This, this there's song, yeah, there's dark. This song is clearly about love and loss. Yes, this is re- he's recording Just, this devastation. Yeah, it's plain but, as day, love but, and loss. Way too much chorus. Way too many repetitions of the chorus. Yeah, the that, that, I that, was getting upset about it. That really, really wore on me. Mm-hmm. It got very repetitive towards the end. Absolutely. It, again, it goes back to my problem in uh, a few of the earlier tracks here. It's just, it, it feels like it's it's a uniting, like, it, it, it's being delivered as if it has that uniting quality, you know, that you want out of a chorus. The na-na-na-na-na-na-na, even if it's meaningless, but it just yeah. doesn't have it, it's lacking something. Oh, yeah. Because there's nothing shocking about it when you compare it against the verse or against the track that came before it or after it. Mm-hmm. There's the monotone quality here. I want to be shocked. <laughs> you were shocked. Next, I was. Next track, Into the Night. You were shocked by that beautiful intro that is just... That did exactly what you described earlier. Beautiful intro. What no. happened? Yes, that's all I what wrote happened? down. What <laughs> happened? No, I'm not going to say beautiful here. This was... this was, It seemed more metal here. It this felt was, like ACDC. That's exactly what it felt like. To me, that's not necessarily a compliment, but... <laughs> but it sounded pretty it was exciting it was it, you know i it was taking me away from the emo a little bit and throwing me into something like all right let's 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 just rock out every once in a while th- th- this tr- album by all means needed that it needed that song which was just let's rock out have fun for a while and we didn't get it because we got it for a few seconds in the intro and then the verse was like an exaggeration of everything i've just been saying in the previous several tracks extremely sweet extremely <laughs> mellow and it had no business with that with that intro no they're completely divorced I... and then the chorus diluted that intro so much that you could barely hear it uh, yeah that again it's proving that problem the focus is just in the background this song ha- covers a lot of ground emotionally but the main focus is mostly franticness running a need to escape to get away I'm not get getting that. these emotions. I'm not get that at all. It's in, from... it's in the lyrics. It's only in the lyrics. I was no, no. It's in the it's in the, the music. intro, and the which was reused as an interlude and an outro, but that is so separate from the track itself that again, it's a conflict of emotion for me. I, I mean, I don't see what it's trying to prove when everything is juxtaposed against each other. Really harsh lyrics. Really, bleh, in the music. Mm. Okay, I will cite a song with similar musical disparity that works great. Toxicity. Ooh. That has an extremely 
heavy chorus with an extremely light, sweet verse that feels like what they were going for here. But toxicity works. I didn't feel like this worked. Why do you think that was? Um, fundamentally. Fundamentally, the the vocals was a much bigger forefront in Toxicity, and that, that oh, might have that, worked. That, that's probably it. nail that, on the head right that, there. I mean, that, Serge, I think that might work. I mean, almost everything that uh, System did and Serge Tankins' Tankin's Tankin's solo work, he's he's right there in the forefront. He's right up against the mic, and he's very aware of the microphone. I mean, his voice just overtakes you. He in caresses this, it. In this sense, it's not that I'm saying that uh, that Valo, the, the lead singer, it's not that I'm saying he's not emotion. Like, it's not that he's not full of emotion when he's singing. He clearly is, and he's dynamic. But I feel like he's... It, in the way that this album was produced, I'm just saying that it's... There is a disparity. There's a disparity it's between a him and the microphone. Cho- it's a strange choice in the mix. Typically, he's at the forefront, too. The older tracks that I played for you... He's in the forefront, yeah, like big in time. system, and in this record, it's not so much. And it I'm also not sure why. seems like uh, not just him in the microphone, but him in the band. It sometimes seems like his voice isn't fitting the band. The guitar was conflicting with him, it especially was... during the choruses. The guitar is conflicting with his voice too much. Yeah, it's this muted. is one of the reasons they're, why they're, they mute each other. It's so hard to describe this because if it's not one problem, it's the other. It seems to kind of cycle through the problems. Like one, at one moment, the problem is the volume. The next moment, the problem is whether it's clashing against the guitar, like you said. Yeah. Well, I found this clash throughout the throughout. first, the first up until this point. There's that problem. Hearts at War. Next track. This was a proper marriage. Is that word proper? <laughs> but I'm using it to describe it. This is a more of a system marriage of that light and hard. Because it didn't go too light. And it still wasn't quite too hard. But they came together. It was They were much more even. No, I was, um... they, they flowed much better together. His vocals was much more of a forefront. Yes. and this song, That was the best part. And this song was very much exactly what the title implies. Hearts at War. It was an empowering fight song. Fighting for love. Fighting for that next step, getting getting to that next point. The chorus, and is... I'm definitely giving it more credit in this particular track. I was enjoying it a little bit more, but what really drew uh, me to the track was the interlude. Oh, it was the instrumental. I actually thought beautiful. was you know that's about what I enjoyed in track two. It was like, all right, let's get some instrumental here because that's kind of what we're also lacking. Is because this is such formulaic track. The first chorus, first chorus. Where's the instrumental? I mean, they're still a rock band. I want some. I want some music. Yeah. And they, they did have not the strongest chorus on the album, but definitely one of the better line work, better imagery in the album. With hearts at war, drunk on dreams of all that's lost now, let them bleed. That was the chorus. In the verse we had, but I'll find you. And you know what? Because you're a fire. And I'm the rain, don't be afraid. And you know what? For this particular track, I listened to that lyric, and then I listened to the riff that was backing the entire entire track, married. Exactly. Perfectly This, ma- is, this was That balanced. makes sense. That is a nice blend of, you know, your lyrical content and your musical uh, evocation. It's, that's, that's it. Kind of wish it was expanded a little more, but that's, that's a little nitpick. That's it. That's it. This was definitely that's one it. of the better songs on the record, for sure. Yeah. And then most, we, co- most cohesive, I said. And then track eight, Trapped in Autumn, 
was one of the first times in a long time where I've heard an int- uh, an interlude track that I don't know if it fit the album because that's kind of hard to say. I mean, I guess it didn't really, yeah, but 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 it was well placed and it felt right, even if it wasn't right for the album at that moment. I needed something different, and it was definitely and when well I got placed. it. I loved it. Yeah, and I really, really loved this track. This really wasn't your very standard interlude. When you think of interlude, you'd usually think of a thirty-second break. This was a snapshot. This was, was a solid was about a minute, and, minute a and a half. This evolved. It was a little more experimental. A lot more experimental, actually. It was provocative. I'm not even... Yeah, provocative is probably the best word I'd use to describe it. This I is enjoyed it. it so much. I just didn't know how to take it as part of the album. No, That's I agree. That's the big I thing. agree. I agree. We're I agree. all in agreement on this one. Yeah. But it was, it was really good, and I don't see removing it. That's no, the issue. It was in the right place in the record. I felt I more here than I did in any other track. Which is I felt the eerie quality of it. I felt the uh, again. It's it's not just like a it's like a snapshot in time. I mean, first of all, the t- I love the title, "Trapped in Autumn." That that just brings so many image. That again, there's not a single word spoken in this entire track here, but there's imagery in the music, and that's what I love to see. That's what was lacking in the music and the rest, and that's why I'm taking issue against all these. Uh, you know, this disconnect between the lyrics and the music. Here, all of a sudden, the lyrics are absent, and they just go hog wild with the music, and they succeed brilliantly. So why didn't I get more of it? Huh? Why? No, you this got, is not you the more. band that they are. You got more. That's why. You got a little more. Better or worse, Not that's a good why. answer. <laughs> right. um, the next song, um, track nine, is No Love. So this is the first song on the record where him is being their cliche selves but it's kind of working it's in in line with hearts at war it just that's the thing you can get lucky this yeah. <laughs> when you're doing that when you when you just um uh, gonna when you just had so many melodies put out so many so many choruses when they just come to you so naturally yeah you're gonna get lucky you know what this was this was metal this was metal music and the first time that I really felt like this could be going into something metal, which, because in this case, I think it actually followed the interlude. Like, the interlude did not follow the previous track so well, but the reason I keep it is because following the interlude, I felt it. Again, and though, this had a great B section in it yeah, as well. Yeah, and also, I've listened to this track several times over, and I wasn't exactly sure how to feel, which I feel kept the whole ambiguous, enigmatic quality and that's that kind of what Autumn the, kind of had. So, and, yeah. and, and this song was, was supposed follow. to be kind of off-putting and kind of empty. You don't quite know how to take it. Yeah. yeah. It, it was supposed to be ambiguous, is the word I'm looking for. Like love can be sometimes. Or you can be without love. Having love removed can make you feel very ambiguous, lost, And the confused. B sections kept the autumn theme going. You know, that is that is an interesting interpretation that I didn't catch immediately. Because I was very thrown off by that B section. Because I don't think... Um, they certainly hadn't done that in any other track. Where they just... Yes, they, they, they divorce themselves from the from the intro, sure, but they don't divorce themselves from the track. The track is actually very uh, standard, usually. This one, it seemed like a whole new track had just started oh, they, on a dime. They mixed it up. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, see, that's why I'm, I was ambiguous, because I wasn't sure exactly how to take it. Well, so, now you know. Sometimes, You're welcome. Well, this is the thing. Sometimes, if it wasn't for that interpretation, we're allowed to have different interpretations. At times, it did feel a little bit random. 
but but you, you think I'm right. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I'm mulling. Let me mull. Alright. You mull, we'll mulling. move on. Okay. Drawn so and ten, quartered. Ten is drawn and quartered. So this song was the first song on the record at this point that I actually didn't like. Yes. The the the, the, the songs before it, even if they were formulaic or cliche or confusing, were not necessarily bad. They were just either okay or good, but nothing great. This was the first song that I actually did not like because it was too long. Way, way too, too repetitive. Long. This is a track that doesn't grow in you, in my opinion. Yeah. Because the first time I listened to it, I was like, okay, eh, it's alright. It's not any worse than the other tracks, necessarily. Second time, I realized the length of this track. The, hurts it. The excessive repetition they're, they're hurts it a lot back more. The reason... Their pop formula from the earlier tracks. It's that verse, exaggerated. Verse, chorus, chorus, and then it was chorus, chorus, but the chorus, problem, chorus, chorus. But the problem is also... Chorus. Is that they're shoving that chorus case, down your throat. It's oh, true. God. In this case... It had pretty much the same formula as the first couple of tracks. However, those tracks were only three minutes. Not so, six. So while it wasn't great, for the short period of time, it was okay. It wasn't you terrible. Go, you can go through it. Yeah, you can just kind of listen to it yeah. and kind of enjoy and it. I felt nothing on this one, too. That was I, the other part. I got no emotional connection with this. I got it no was lyrical connection with this. The only, the only thing I, I got very much was kind of this lost feeling, but... It, 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 I mean, that was more so, I think, because it made me feel lost than yeah. the actual song being about being yeah. lost. Well, the thing is, I'm generally attracted to the songs that move somewhere, go somewhere. The songs just seem to stagnate at a certain right. point. It hits peak very early on. Yeah. The rest we, of the time... This should just, have been another one of the three-minute yeah. tracks. If it was had, another one of the three-minute <laughs> tracks, it might not have been as bad. Yeah, then we had throw a whole it in the conversa- pile. We others. had a whole conversation about, the topic of, about a topic on this album nothing to do with the track. And then we went back and realized we were listening to the same freaking track and we still had another minute to go. Like, we lost ourselves. We were bored. Yeah. Truly bored. Yeah. Luckily. <laughs> luckily. We got Lucifer's Corral. Which was really awesome. It was distorted I, I and creepy. Liken this equally to Trapped in Autumn. I mean, I guess I'm kind of giving away uh, what my tastes are here, because when you look at this album, th- these two tracks are so different than anything else. Yeah. But... As I said, I'm, I'm looking for another word other than snapshots. They are they are raw emotion, a pure emotion, just set forth. Yeah. Leave it at that. And it's, the... not, it's not even terribly progressive. It's not even that they move or go anywhere particularly. It's just... Is what it is from the start, and you feel something powerfully, and you want to continue feeling. From 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 the minute to honesty. That's an and that's an interesting way to put it because from the minute the song starts, it has this dis, dis, this distorted, creepy feel. Like even not and even that creepy. was metal. It yeah. was, that was it the was, first bit of honest. This is well, not this is a negative word, but it should be used in a positive connotation. Vile. Yes. Virulent. Oh, no. It was definitely That's vile the, and creepy. the feeling that came Virulent, over that. Yeah. It was the dark side of love. It's where love can take you. This and we've was talked about this ad le- Do you remember like- that? you remember that Mogwai remix album title? A Wrenched Viral Lore? Yeah. This is that. Yes. Great line, yeah. even though I didn't really see that on that album particularly. No, but, but that uh, describes this, this. would describe that really, really well. Yes, very much. Um, and but then it's still only this, a minute and a half. Yeah, and we from this short instrumental on. track, we move on to WLSTD, which stands for When Love Starts to Die, which I kind of am upset that they actually didn't 
Put out the full title. I love the full title. The full title is I great. I dislike the abbreviation. Mm-hmm. It's a pointless abbreviation. Of all the things to abbreviate, why? It's not that long of a and title. And it's not even... I and don't the even most think it's the longest. The most unfortunate part about this track is that for the first time in the entire record, we have a full-length hymn song with singing that has evolution. And it has this kind... It kind of goes somewhere. You know, I was actually... Considering that I yes I saw I saw some metal in the interludes, uh, you know what I'm really looking for it is in is in a track married with vocals and with the chorus. Here I found it. Yeah. At the bitter end. Great. Yeah. Great uh, vocal uh, connection to deep dark undertones in the beat. This was probably the most emotional song for me as well. I really felt the loss it was portraying, and it wasn't in the lyrics. It was in the the. I'm going to say progression as an adjective. The progression of the music, the evolution of the music, well, it was also and the, the vocals, they worked. It was great. This was a right. Well, four-star song. And, and emotionally, this was this a four-star song. They also turned up the melody here. The melody was a lot more in the forefront, thankfully. And the emotion in this song was clearly loss and discovery. It wasn't just about the loss, but it's about what comes next. Him seems to know exactly what to call their songs. Their songs are extremely appropriately titled. Yes. Even their instrumentals. (laughs) Even their instrumentals are extremely appropriately entitled. And then track 13, the last track we get, is Kiss the Void, which, as far as endings go for a record... Clever. Clever and one of the better. So the album starts with a clicking of a a closing cassette player. This whole end track... The the vocals warp, the instruments warp, as if a tape is being unwound in a cassette player being you ruined hear the in the tape player. Tearing. You hear the tape distorted. And it ends with the tape being ejected. As far as... You guys are so impressed by this. No, no, no. It's I, good, yes. It's, it's clever. Good. Fine, all right. Clever it's, it's is clever. Not, uh, it, wasn't a, this most solid The album is song. called Tears on Tape. It's almost a no-brainer for me. It's no. almost a no-brainer for you, but how many bands do... Do titles like that and don't do balls with it. Um, plenty of bands do, um, especially he's, pop he's struggling. bands. He's struggling. He's struggling. Look at that. Look at that. Fine, I guess. And for me, but it's, they it, wouldn't title it that. After, oh, but still, going into this record, none nice. of us expected them to do that. And to some extent, uh, and I did make this point at the end of the album, which does kind of uh, help their case. I do feel the mixtape nature of. Well, because, you know, you're starting it off that way, you're yeah. ending it that way. When you look at the content, and it does have that it's, sort of torrid love. Um, it's supposed to have that high school mixtape vibe. Exactly. And Which almost, almost is supposed to make me forgive the immaturity that I kind of see here. And also, I mean, as far as art goes, it could come and go depending on how we look at it. But as far as a strong theme, this is one of the stronger themes we've had. It's clear and present the entire record. It's very cohesive. And it's a cohesive theme. I'll give it that. I'll give it that. Now, that does not... I I like my enigmatic, though, and I wanted more of it. I understand. That does does not do a lot of redeeming for this album. No, it doesn't. Because there's so much that is just pass a generic, and I'm using this as a generic pop, a very safe structure in their music, a very safe non-progression in their chords. He's using generic in the most generic way possible. Exactly. It's exactly how it is. Uh, This is an album that could have been made over the last 15 years. Anywhere in the last 15 years. Yeah. That's 
Come on, man. These guys have been making albums for a very long time. I don't see any evolution. There's definitely people out there who would argue, well, you know, all right, they know what sells. This but is... we're not here to say that. I'm not here to say that. I'm not looking for what sells. I'm not looking for that, exactly. I'm looking for the next... But also, him as a band is a very different animal from a lot of other music that's out in the market. They have their own genre. Really? Yes. Well, let me... I'm going to need an explanation. The culture of him is very different from any other band that's on the market What is currently. the culture of him? I, I will know. tell you if you stop interrupting me. <laughs> not going to happen. I will the culture of him factory. is... They're a band that... Essentially, them and their fans agreed very early on in their career, we created our own genre. They didn't really. But they dubbed themselves Love Metal, and from Your Sweet 666, that record, all the way till now, except for some hiccups here and there, they have consistently made similar records. That doesn't excuse the lack of evolution, but I don't think they ever set out to evolve or want to evolve. The, if 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 you're a fan of him and you want to hear this, and you want to consistently hear this, with the band you will continue to consistently hear this. That's not excusing it, it's explaining it. And I will liken this to other bands, like two bands I love, Bowling for Soup and Dropkick Murphys, have not changed their tone in the decade they've been playing. Now... I do prefer their earlier stuff as opposed to their later stuff because their later stuff is rehashing of their previous work. In fact, an article I did on Dropkick Murphys, their newest album, Extremely Safe, gave the fans exactly what they wanted. I will say that's exactly what him does here. Gives the fans exactly what they wanted. Now, that's great for the fans. I still don't see that as a positive thing for music. I agree. I'm not, again, excusing it. I'm simply explaining it. I'm explaining that as a fan of him, we're reviewing it as fans of music, not just fans of him. Yes. But we have to say that as for fans of him, if you like their early work, you'll like this album. Period. That's it. You will. However, that's not what we're here to gauge. We're here to gauge it on a level of music in, in general. I'm kind of mulling it between your two points because they're both valid. They are. And I will start with the wrap-up oh. while Steve's mulling, and I know Matt probably wants to go last. Um, this is goth pop. That's a, probably the most appropriate way I feel like I can describe this album. I agree with that. It has the eyeliner and the black clothes and the spikes, but it has that immaturity that's associated with the gothic community. It has that pop formula sound. Like I said, it's got the checklist of what you would need to make heavy metal. To make metal. I feel like But almost... it doesn't do it in a metal way. But this is also not a metal band. Can I, no, I'm can saying, I that's interrupt what I'm there? Just on that point of, um, you know, the, the immaturity that you would expect from that gothic scene. I'm sure there'd be a backlash there that would say we're implying that gothic, uh, well, the modern gothic culture has an inherent immaturity to it. And that's it. actually Because that true. is our opinion. I'm t- I'm, let me finish. Uh... Damn, I lost it. No, Gothic... <laughs> well, wanna... grown, okay, Gothic stemmed from the immature. That's where the, the, the actual goth movement came from. It I came wouldn't from, go that far. It came from young kids. That's it who created it. It came from many centuries earlier. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying what the, the goth that we have today is not the old school goth. 
the goth we have today the goth we have today from is a revival of the goth we had about a by, century ago by teenagers more than anything else it was teenagers that propagated it so now we're getting into that discussion because we had a big talk about steampunk while back no i'm serious this is the thing because when we were talking about steampunk today's generation has a little habit of kind of obsessing over one aspect of history and then making it into a big thing a big genre a big movement a big culture cult scene of its own and goth is that so i guess i'm kind of responding to the backlash that theoretically could be had over this is it really wrong to assume something in that nature yes would you have a comment yes it's not using the i think what john's saying is that goth isn't immature this album isn't mature and I was trying to get into how pop yeah. immature makes it immature. That's that's mm. I was going to the, the goth, nuances. There was of a the, comma. The composition of it is not metal. Is not really even rock for the vast majority of this album. The composition is designed around a pop style. That's true. A a yeah, very much that, and that takes away from the actual seriousness of the lyrics of the seriousness of the emotions that they're going for here. That hurts the album for me. There are a few bright lights, but for the most part, it just seems so rehashed. And honestly, songs were hard to differentiate. Tones were just bleeding through. For all the ha- the, the nice points I pointed out, so much of the, the, the quality lyric work gets drowned out by the guitar work, gets drowned out by the beat. I really... I had to pull for it. I had to really be reading along as these guys are singing. That's not really too positive in my eyes. The snippets of pure instrumentation were good. Were really, really good. I thoroughly enjoyed. Got me into a groove. Groove was lost. I cannot rate this over a three, but I can't rate it under a three. This is three. This is a full-fledged average album. There's nothing that differentiates it, but there's nothing that's going to hurt a listener. You get exactly what you would expect as a hymn fan, and honestly, this is a very safe, mainstream-styled album where it's not going to offend anybody's sensibilities. Three. All right. I agree with almost everything you just said. The starters. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I kind of had to go back to our One Republic discussion here. Because I feel that in many ways this defines the same level of safeness mm-hmm. as that album did. I could say that I'm not here to criticize Safe. That's a lie. I'm very much so here to criticize Safe. <laughs> I think that um, that's one of the problems with this whole cult culture. Cult culture, a little redundant, but it's it's, it's a thing. I think that uh, today's youth, I'm getting all old man here, has a tendency to stick by one thing and hold it so close and so dear to them to the point of fault to the point that it's hard to let go i if you're a him fan sure but for the greater musical community it's just a little bit it's a little bit weak in 2013 again i i i have this i don't take issue with this when it's a neo revivalist kind of thing like something from 30, 40 years ago, from something from 80 years ago. All right, fine, you want to bring something back that's been largely forgotten? Sure. There's nothing not, There's nothing forgotten 
about this type of music. It is so fresh, so recent, that, yeah, it's, it's problematic that they haven't moved beyond it. But there are some gems here. I've already stated what those gems are. It's in the stuff that is completely divorced from the album in many ways. It's, it's that, the edgy stuff. I like the raw emotion that was prevalent in uh, Trapped in Autumn, especially. That's my number one track in this album. Um, a close second is Lucifer's Corral. And then uh, Kiss the Void was a, was a nice ambient ending. I enjoy their ambient work more than their standard hymn work. I would look forward to an album based on that. I think they should... I, my personal opinion, I think they should get more musical, less static. I still end up at about the same exact rating. Three. Just, which puts it a hair over my, um, over my One Republic rating, which was a 2.9. Because this this is a this is a three because it has the element there. I see that they're capable. I see the ambient possibilities. Three. Um, I agree with both of you. Also, more or less. Um, the only things that that push it a little head, a little bit ahead of One Republic, in my opinion, which I believe I gave an even three. I think um, is. There's a, a very strong th theme here that, of course, it doesn't forgive the, the the missteps and the misjudgments, but I can't ignore the fact that this album is a mixtape. It's a mixtape. It's tears mixed on tape. It feels like a mixtape. feels like the mixtapes I made. feels like the C mix CDs I made. And the, the, the things that you're pointing out, especially with these instrumental tracks that just seem so divorced from other songs, you're talking to someone who has such a variety love of music that I would take boy bands, pop songs, classical music, hip-hop, heavy metal, and put them all on one disc. Yeah, so have I. So, there's an element of that in this record's composition. However, it doesn't forgive... The fact that the minute I heard the first three chords of uh, Love Without Tears, I went, oh, standard hymn song, what's next? And I'm someone who likes him. I, but, to, to what Steve's saying, I also stopped listening to him <laughs> for a couple of, quite a number of years. That's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I because him should stop listening to him. I stopped <laughs> listening to him, and then I heard this record and went, oh, yeah, I like these guys. How about that? I forgot about that. But... It's still nothing different. It's very safe. It's very, you know, emotionally also, it's not as clear-cut as some of their earlier stuff. I mean, when I played Right Here in Your Arms, Right Here in Your Arms was one of the tr more true love songs they've released. You know, and they haven't released a lot of them. But there was a lot more variety in the earlier tracks that I played for you. They made them more their own. Whereas this now, it's still their own, but they've been doing it for eight albums, so... It's love and death. It's safe. And there's love... There's no the, love the final. Death. Point and punctuation on this review is it's safe. If you're a him fan, buy the record. You'll love it. If you love him, if you really love him and they're your favorite band, you'll love this record. Go buy it. Spend the money. It's definitely worth it. However, if you're anyone else, if you're just a fan of him, you like them like you like a lot of other music, you know, I mean, it's not worth sample. It, it sample it. It's not, you know, listen to it on Spotify. It's not worth buying <laughs> because you've heard it already. So go listen to the ones that were better. But, again, if you're a diehard him fan, and we've said this about other records for those fans, like, 
this is why I'm going to rate it a little higher. I wouldn't recommend the new One Republic record to a fan of One Republic. Because it does nothing. <coughs> this at least has something. It has something. It has those interlude tracks. It has the clever beginning and end. Well, I did rate it higher. Point one. <laughs> right. So I give this a 3.25. Okay. Because I'm I ref, breaking I, out the decimal. I refuse to rate it, but it's because of it ain't a three five. Right. And I but I refuse to rate it the same as One Republic because they at least did something different. So I give it a three two five. But on a scale of, you know, buy it, listen to it, ignore it. For listen. the masses, it's listen to it. Listen and pay a dollar here and there for the songs you really like. Yep. To go back on one more thing here, you said love and death. Love and death is the summation. Love the and the loss here. of said love, usually culminating in, in death. death. In most things. I'm glad you put it that way. And I like that. I like that. I like that phrasing. And I just realized that that, that emotion, the combination of both, I, I feel more in Trapped in Autumn than in any other track with lyrics. I feel like Trapped in Autumn, the title itself, sums that up in some sense. No, it I, absolutely does. Uh, the idea of being trapped right war, before winter comes on. Hearts at I felt this was, in the music. I felt the, the, the stillness, the eeriness. I felt things dying around me in a way, but a stillness, an eternity being there in love. I felt it with Hearts at War as well. And I felt it with uh, When Love Starts to Die. All right, But I was, enough, you know what? I, I difference had, of opinion. I had a lot of lyrical uh, homework to do in order to get that emotional control. All in all, I can all right. safely say, though, that I'm, I'm, I'm happy I picked this record because it was kind of a polarizing experience for me as well. Good. You should never play it safe. <laughs> well, no, but... <laughs> I'm harking it back to our right review. Again, I don't view safe music as harshly as you guys because I can still enjoy something that's safe. However, I know there's better out there, and I listen to that, too. Uh, I'm always well, I'm the f- only jerk here who's no, always... No, no, no. The- strike that. I always look for the ineffable in my music. Again, but I am. I appreciate. But but my, again, my I'm not saying that you guys are wrong. You're right to and, to to discourage safeness, and I am as well. However, I can still find more light in it than you can, and that's just difference of opinion. At well, that that's point. why I gave it a three. Right. Anything under a three, you shouldn't listen to. But anything three or higher, listen minimally. My justification is life is short. I want I want to get as many emotions as I can. And uh, usually to... ineffable, which is why that was a very good phrasing, John, looking for the ineffable will get you there. It will take you to emotional places you've never been before. Um, but but going back to him specifically, um, there are obviously, I, admit, I think I mentioned at the top of the podcast, they're banned from Finland, and that kind of takes us into our topic, even though, unfortunately, him is and isn't indicative of... Foreign. Well, foreign, I mean, it is. We can talk about an association that uh, we over here in America tend to have with Scandinavia as being a very metal-oriented culture. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of metal bands that have come over here from Sweden, Denmark, Norway, Finland, Finland. Iceland. I just went through Scandinavia in full. Yeah. Um, Germany. Germany's got it's uh, mainland Europe. Watch it. Yeah. No, there's also no, no, no. But Germany has a lot of metal. Metal. No, they do. Northern Northern Europe in general. You can't say Germany and metal and not mention Rammstein. Of course. Like they're the metal band from Germany to the to the states. Northern Europe is where metal metal was germinated. Rammstein. It's where Northern Europe is where metal germinated. Yeah, that's germinated. 
As in grew up. <laughs> I like the yes. little pun you did there. I mean, pretty bands, good. bands oh, like Iron Maiden. Pretty clever. Bands like Iron Maiden and ACDC. <laughs> these bands that came from across the pond. They were a different yeah. invasion. Um, That's true. But I want to talk a little bit about German music. Joke. Um, music cultures in, <laughs> in music in different cultures in different countries. Because for me, as someone who listens to a large variety of music especially more popular music. Like, I'm a fan of Rammstein. I liked Psy's record that came out recently. I mean, there was nothing special about it, but it was and fun. And you couldn't pop. understand most of it. Exactly. You know, I like... Inside Korean you know, jokes I like, we may never get. I like him. I like Sonata Arctica, who also hail from Finland. And they're they're more kind of speed metal. Um, you know, Blind Guardian. Speed metal, oh. You know, it's... These, these, are, these are bands that are... Their culture and what they bring to the states are very different. I mean, first of all, Rammstein here is completely muted almost because they can't tour in half the states in this country because of how ri- ridiculous their show is. But it's not that ridiculous. It's flamethrowers and 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 fake penises hooked oh, up yeah, to hoses. Oh yeah, no, 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 oh, flamethrowers. Yeah. That's not ridiculous. I have a friend who went uh, to Napalm. a Ramstein, Ramstein, Rammstein concert and had that exact experience. Yeah. You know, you know, Napalm is outlawed by the Geneva Convention. Yes. I'm just saying. Thanks. They shouldn't be allowed in but, the U.S. But, but... I want to go to a point here. Uh, we do tend to have this very ethnocentric uh, view over here, um, being America, as we are. Uh, we tend to view a lot of these foreign sources of music as tools to help what our own rich music culture for the 20th century primarily has been. And that tends to be the extent of it. So it's kind of cool to see a band from a foreign culture that has kind of stayed over there and built themselves over there, not us borrowing them. Yeah. Which is why we should go back to him here. In many ways, it feels like Americanized, uh, Americanized Scandinavian metal. Well, also him, I think, is bigger here than in Finland. Like they they were a band there and then came over here and blew up. And I right. think they're bigger here than they are there. But I mean, another a band that actually I think made greater legs in America than they ever did overseas was Garbage, who we reviewed not that long ago. The lead singer Scottish, okay. the rest of the band's British, hmm. but their career is here as far as I know. Well, that's the thing. I mean, ethnocentric or not, yeah. this is America. Yeah. This is where a lot of bands will make their name. I'm not, I'm not trying to be all hipster with that point of view, because to be honest... I'm pretty proud of 20th century American music culture. But, uh, it's been pretty good. It is. We've done, we've done But I also things. have... Yeah. I have some issues with this country and how they treat certain foreign musics. And and him is an example of this. I was talking to Sarah about this the other day when we were listening to the new record. I was talking to her about Join Me in Death. Join Me in Death is very much a song about suicide and love. Very much. And it's this... It's blatantly, you know, kill yourself with me so we can be together forever. I mean, that's pretty much the message of the song. Overseas, doesn't raise an eyebrow. Because mm. most people know, it's a fucking song. I just cursed. Well, you'll bleep it out if it's audible. Always give me work. Seriously. Seriously. But it, it's, it's, but it's a freaking song. It's a freaking song, and, and, and people overseas recognize that. As far as I know, there was no big to-do. But when songs like that come out by American bands here... Up in arms. They mentioned suicide in a song. It's going to make people want to kill themselves. You got to remember one thing. We are very PC. Our, overly yeah. PC. And I hate that. Me I too. hate it. There's only Me too. So much. There's only one other country I know of that rates video games, and that's Great Britain. All right? And what they rate, like, 
18, we would definitely be putting at 21. Yeah. Or higher. Like, it's, I, you know what? It's us and Great Britain. Those are the two biggest proponents on censorship and on controlling Here's, medias and things like but that. But even Britain is still a lot more lax than we are. Nah, they're getting towards us. They're getting very conservative on certain aspects. Um, but if you want to talk music and how we've kind of stolen a lot of things... Uh, well, we are the techno. great we are the great melting pot. So I'm not necessarily saying that as as a critique. Oh, we, I mean, we, we, but fusion is pretty good for as far as culture is concerned. We, we stole techno from Eastern Europe. I don't know if you can steal and techno. Western Europe. No, we stole techno. I, I really can't can't yeah. agree with that. We did that. Um, techno arose from a, a bunch of different sources. Yeah, yeah. When but technology it, happened. No, but it was it used to be. The thing from France, and then we took it and anyone who got it. hold of a synth, all of a sudden became no, a techno artist listen, in some sense. I challenge you to listen to earlier techno from Greece, from oh yeah, Vangelis. Italy, Vangelis is from is France. Example. We're talking. Although it's back a then it wasn't beast. techno; it was electronica. Yeah, and it's a different beast than what we turned it into. Very but much it's not so. Theft. That's theft not is theft, such though. a strong word. You can't use theft. You cannot use theft when people from other countries are coming here and performing their music here and other people are discovering it and being inspired by it. It's inspiration, not theft. Exactly. Which goes back to the Theft real... is blues. When we stole, you know, the, the white man stealing rock and roll, that whole thing, that can be theft to a point. Yeah. And even, but even then, it's not so much. It's inspiration begets inspiration. You can't just label it theft blanketly. I'm sorry, no. Wow, you're taking that way out of context. <laughs> like, we actually took it, went over to France, and just showed up, because they'll just give you anything that you want if you show up. And came and brought it back to the United States, and they were no longer... No, I didn't mean, like, we took it and didn't allow them to do it anymore. No, we took that, that thing and basically redesigned it. That's what we did, and that's what we were just talking about. But that's not theft, it's the wording. That's why I took it the way I did. Well, I'm sorry... Borrowed. 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 We're going to give it back. We're never going to get it back. <laughs> no, I don't think they want it back. Uh, uh, Angelus is still around, isn't he? I think so. But also, let's also not forget that after we borrowed techno, we also then created dubstep. I know. That's why they don't want it's it back. It's our fault. Yeah, and technically, just to go back to the point that you brought up, Matt, we borrowed soul and ragtime, and we created jazz. Yeah. So, although, I, well, no, that actually really was theft. Really, yeah, You know, really slavery was. and all. Yeah, yeah. That's, it was that's, kind that's, of that's, actually <laughs> theft. Yeah. That thing that happened years and years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that thing. We took them over here, so yeah. <laughs> we kind we of... Didn't just, we didn't... No, we didn't steal the music, we stole the people, that's what happened. <laughs> ah, okay, well that makes so much more sense now. That's um, yes, uh, a defense, of course. <laughs> but it's just, it's interesting to see also how music cultures from other countries blend here. Like, I mean, one of the most famous cases in the recent year is Psy. You know, this Korean musician who's fairly popular in his own country, who puts out pop music, came here... And just blew up and dragged this culture of Gangnam style, which essentially means this kind of... It's like Beverly Hills style here, except the, the Korean version. This kind of high, high, higher class, um, richer but society. But no, there's a, there's a reverse to that because a lot of Asian pop is borrowed from American pop. It goes back and forth. Actually, right. Yeah, I'm not saying it's one side. I'm just saying it was interesting to see it. Especially J-pop. Especially J-pop. Yeah. Um... 
But you know what? It's not like... We haven't seen his more... Esoteric style? Yes. Become mainstream. Yeah. We haven't seen that happen. Yeah. We haven't seen people being inspired by him. No, not yet. No. And probably not 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 ever. I hope not. Because that's his shtick, and honestly, he does it extremely well. Right. I wouldn't want to, quote unquote, borrow this and make it a part of... But there's something... Because I don't want... Pop to go in that direction. First off, I want him to go backwards. But, if anything, but what I want to see, but you what want I want him to be a dead end. That's yeah, all to his own. But moment. what I want to see copied from that is, Sai as a performer, visually, is not the typical pop star, chiseled face, tall, skinny white dude. He's got meat on his bones. He's looks. He he doesn't look like the typical well, pop star. Well, you've brought this up a lot, but now you're you're not just talking about uh, the music. Then you're talking about the image. Absolutely, and I like. But that image is n- not as uncommon overseas as it is here. It's very rare that we see someone right. who oh, looks yeah. like Sire or Susan Let's wrap it back Boyle. then. Let's wrap it back. If I did have a critique, because on the whole, I'm not really criticizing America's role against other music cultures. I think we have a lot to offer. But if we do have a fault um, more recently in our history, when I'm talking like 10, 20 years, yeah. our recent, I guess, what's considered acceptable over here yeah. is definitely getting a little bit stricter in terms of what is believed to sell in mainstream audiences. Right. America can be a little rigid in that regard, which is why I think a lot of people are lately, just just lately, looking to, ooh, the Canadian invasion. Back to another British invasion. You're getting a lot more over there, but you're getting a little bit more diversity because, let's face it, we're in the 21st century here. They've kind of caught up to the same level of uh, diversity and exposure. Everyone has the internet, no matter where in the world you are, except some parts. But still, you know, they're getting Less restrictions. Yeah. If they can do it, and if it can spread, then America's going to get their music there and not necessarily here. I think that's the one thing that uh, American companies would need to change, is just kind of grow up. <laughs> yeah. I will... Hmm, I would see that as as mainstream, but honestly, mainstream is not even close to the center of our society anymore. Well, oh no no I agree with that. Mainstream is not mainstream. That's what I'm saying. Grow like some companies are just stuck in the past. Well, it's stuck, yeah, like, it's corporate America's idea of mainstream, and then what's actually clearly mainstream. that's not really going to affect anything. If the people, the American people want you know alternative music, we have every resource in the world to go out and get it wherever the hell we want it. I, I haven't had a radio in my car for over a year. You know I what's mainstream? Listen, now? listen. I was talking to Steve about this. <laughs> I was flipping through the channels because I just got my radio fixed after a year. And I'm flipping through the channels and there's three channels on the FM radio network that I even will happen to listen to. And they're all classic rock stations. Yeah. Because every other station seems like, and for the most part it's probably over two-thirds, seems to be top 100, top 40. You know, yeah. whatever is going to be yeah. on the real world or whatever the incarnation of the real let's world face it, is top nowadays. For, top 40 is not creative. No, at not all. at all. No, if you want to see what's mainstream now, it's not the radio anymore. It's YouTube. YouTube is main, mainstream the new music. Mainstream. It's the new mainstream. Well, yeah. because Actually, it's a very accurate, up, accurate way of judging what people, what the general populace is listening to. And not it's even very, YouTube. Not even YouTube. I would actually say that Pandora... 
and Slacker. And the iHeartRadio concept is probably the best thing to happen to music in a very long time. Because iHeartRadio and everybody, everything that everybody does with that actually is showing people what others are listening to. Mm, yes, I, I but it's not that... it's not towards mainstream. It's more building your own taste through technology. That's exactly what I was going to That's but really the inter- point of it. Oh, the it's definitely it interesting. To... But it's also introduced me to a huge variety of music from a variety of bands that I never even heard of. It depends, on the, it depends on the website. But some of the, and I have made this critique like way early on the podcast. I um, have made this critique that some of these websites can pose the issue of keeping you in a box. Keeping you kind of cut in a, in a loop of listening to the same sellable music over and over again by relating things that you like to other things that really aren't that dissimilar. But not every site. A lot of other things will push the boundary and kind of stretch you toward one direction. I will I will point this out. I was on Slacker, and I love Slacker Radio because of the variety it uh, proposes. I was listening... I, I was specifically looking up Daft Punk because we got the new album and I want to, you know, go back and listen to the older stuff. So I'm listening to Daft. First off, I didn't hear one of their big hits for an hour. That's good. Second, it was linking me to early, mid-90s... Uh, 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 what's it called? Greek uh, uh, electronica. And at the same time, to modern-day hip-hop. I was getting a little bit of everything in this little electronica framework like the hip hop was related in right. tones and everything like that and it had a quite a surprising variety of music but I was used to that I'm looking for that that's why I've actually used this program all the time well here's something do you think that I mean there is definitely some areas of music that are just tough to get into if you don't have a stepping stone a bridge you didn't grow up with it like for instance uh, the kind of pop music that you'd find in India. I don't find a lot of mainstream Americans getting into that stuff necessarily. That Bollywood? Sort of, yeah, Bollywood stuff, things uh, of that nature. Now they are, though. And it's part of the YouTube culture. A lot of people I know... I have a friend who's writing... An American who's writing a Bollywood script. Currently. That's actually fascinating. Her, her name is Mo Pitts. She's one of the main photographers for Wasabasco. I mean, she's a photographer before she was a photographer for Wasabasco. She's a good friend of mine, and she's writing a Bollywood script. Oh, I'm not even, you know, so I only mentioned it's there, it in terms but it's, of, all right, yeah, and, it's, and, it's got to be a little bit of a niche thing. It's probably a little will remain niche-y. a little bit niche for, I mean, but it even has, J-pop is more popular over here than that because uh, anime made a huge, huge right. introduction but, to America. But Bollywood's bigger now than it was 10 years ago here in America. Uh, granted, granted. That's, that was the point I was at some point all these make. boundaries will be dropped? Eventually, I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's also... We don't really have a world internet yet. And what I mean by that is there are still some sites... A lot, no, that's why I kind of caught my, I caught my tongue earlier. That, there are, that are bordered by... They're the blocked. The they're blocked. There's a lot that's blocked, yes. But eventually, eventually, maybe not mm. even in our lifetime, that may go away. But until well, that happens, it's going also, to be hard. There's also away. the aspect, and i got to call out Google on this... Uh, uh, a lot of a lot of search algorithms, uh, websites such as Google and Yahoo, really uh, kowtow yes. to specific industry standards. Yes. They get paid to give you certain things. So it's not even that these sites are blocked. It's that if you put in phrases 
you're not necessarily going to get the most appropriate. The fact is, you're going still to get in, the most. They're still an industry. They still have to make they're money. Still have to so make money, it's, yeah. it's not the the uh, grand, um, worldly non for profit organization like Wikipedia, which purely seeks to just give you everything. But also, some of those sites it has nothing to do with the search engine. Just certain sites, there's different coding for different countries. And you can't access those sites. Yes, it's not It's not actually preventing you because the corporation or a company right. or a country doesn't want you to go there. It's just that your computer they, internet words don't know how to go to those computer internet words. And let's face it, that, that same thing will happen just in terms of... Uh, cultural trends yeah. i mean you know it may not happen in within our lifetime that you're going to find some fusion where between... the world wide web becomes worldwide well uh, well not just that but also going back to music here that you're going to find every single genre combination possible some of it just takes time it's not a matter of someone necessarily out there saying we're going to keep this from you this will never happen on my watch it's more just a matter of no one's thought of it yet or it wouldn't no. work as we think of it today. I mean, no, we did, a... did talk about... I'm sorry. We did talk about that thing where will we run out of music? And this is in that vein. Like, oh, yeah, will we of. run out of genres? And at this point, you could safely say no. Not in our lifetime, at least. No, certainly not. And it, it's in that vein that, you know, things will keep growing. You know what I'm interested to see, though? I mean, a lot of oh, genres... No. Well, no, let finish your point first. A lot of genres grow from other genres. Like... Rock and roll came from blues and jazz, and then hip hop came also from you know our the metal tree, the yeah. techno. So tree. my curious thing is, so there are bit, there are obviously large tree trunk sized branches that everything else peels off from. We haven't had a large tree trunk type branch that I could think of in a long time. That's uh, you. You no. finished my thought. That was the although I was going to mention. This is the big thing here. This. It's not. It may not happen within our lifetime. Although I do think that the ball has started to get rolling yeah. in terms of uh, keeping things in in fusion boxes, yeah. because I think that's what mainstream media sometimes does. Is everyone is aware of everything? Uh, omnipresently. Yes. <laughs> you know, omnipresently. That it may just so happen that pockets of individuality may not rise to the same extreme that they would naturally in a separated culture. It's it's a different market in a different culture now. I yeah. want to go back. I want to refute that. In the recent history, we have had the tree trunk of Electronica. And that is a major tree trunk nowadays. I guess that's The tree of recent. Electronica, trance, techno... Uh, its influences on hip hop and R and B and in rock. Perhaps that's and the in last punk. one, the most recent. That, that might and be it's the most curious recent. that this was the one that came with the computer age, because let's be honest, we're not yeah. getting new instruments. We're not. We're not getting new Which designs I actually on the guitar. Kind of curious. New guitar, the new violin. Yeah, I mean, even even the uh, uh, the standard orchestral set of instruments has hardly changed since uh, the late nineteenth century. It's yeah. edgy when someone throws in guitars. Yeah, and that even that has been done for a while now. I mean, how many... The new instrument, and for all that Skrillex may be a, turning into a freaking trope at this point, <laughs> that is the new instrument, is the computer and the ability to yeah. change tones, to create unique sounds, new unique wavelengths that cannot be replicated with other instruments. Yeah. Hmm. So I hate to say it, but the blender may be the next big trombone. 
what? <laughs> no, wow. the blender. The joke is that he uses a blender on stage. The, the, you never saw that joke. No. Okay. The the <laughs> but no, it's an interesting point you raise him and I and it was also something I'd last on with. Uh, I was talking to Noam a couple nights ago and he was talking about how the steampunk culture is kind of starting to give way to the idea that maybe there could be steampunk punk music if we invent new instruments based on that culture. That's and I'm fascinated what I am fascinated with as well. I'm fascinated with it and I told Noam that I want to be a part of that and if he starts trying to work towards something I'd love to help because the idea of creating an instrument it's all about putting yourself in the time period yeah what would, what would someone back then have done based on the technologies that were but around i think then? that's i think that not necessarily steam punk specifically but that's where the next instrument lies is we're at a point of remix culture where it's the next instrument's going to be an amalgamation of multiple instruments that's where it's going. It's going to be a combination of instruments that make a new instrument. It's a big genre of literature, actually. Alternate history, uh, going back and imagining, oh, what would it have been like if the Confederacy had AK-47s? Yeah. You know, it's that, and then that Harry Turtledove is an author that goes into this in depth. He has a whole series of books. By the time he gets to World War One, the Confederacy is a major competitor, and they re-enter World War One with us, so that we're too busy fighting on this front that we can't go over there to help out Europe, and yeah. then the Germans end up winning World War One. Then what will happen in World War Two? It's fascinating. So you end a, up with wait, a whole a continuality. Oh yeah, it's and when it comes weird. down it's to amazing. it's fiction, but it's an alternate history. It's alternate history fiction, in which case you imagine what it would be like if we ended up in a completely different now. Yeah, and musically the same could be done. You yeah. can do that in any art. Come to think of it, I think it's an interesting way of uh, kind of faking it in yeah. terms of okay, well we're worried that you know our natural course of. Uh, of, of culture will not take us to any new directions. Go back. Reimagine it. The, Immerse yourself in something that you found interesting. The, the real future of music, now that we have computers, is going to be... Pure imagination. It, it's going to be... And it's going to be a mixture of what exists. Because yeah. that's what it always like, is anyway. I mean... Right. If you as an individual are not stimulated by what exists now, you might be stimulated by something at some other point. We're yeah. filled with a cacophony of aesthetics... You know, make the best of it. And I, and I think that that's kind of, you know, one of the amazing things about... You know what? I'm going to point out something. We all hated on Korn's album. But they tried something different. And I think that's I where the points. newest inspiration... We all gave points for that. For but we all hated on it because they did it so poorly. I want to see somebody... Uh-huh. Well, it's tricky. This is the thing. I'm glad you brought that, brought that up because everything I've just said has such a strong capacity... To feel tacky. Yeah. Because if someone sniffs it out and sees exactly what you've done and could, you know, they can sum you up at face value. There's just, there's an inherent tackiness to it. It's right. Like, uh, I mean, but that's why I think so. Remix so, culture. I mean, know? that's why I think so many people were so quick to hate on dubstep is because it was so in your face and so kind of almost egregious yeah. that... It rubbed people the wrong way, but when you really look at it, dubstep was a new evolution in music that we hadn't had in a while. Yeah, Good or bad, it was it was it's a different base version of trance. Yeah, but when it's an evolution right of a branch of music. Yeah, and we hadn't had that in a while. So I think that, and think about it, rock and roll people hated that too. Like old fogies hated that. A lot of a lot it. of things that it's have new. supposed to hate that come out new. Are rejected and almost immediately, and then accepted. So I think that dubstep is on that path. And he, Skrillex and some of these other DJs whose names I don't remember at the moment 
Dead have Mouse. DJ Tiesto. Dead Mouse. Have a, have, a, have a capacity to make that next step and that evolution and make, and make something more accepting. I DJ mean, culture is growing a lot. And changing. <laughs> DJing used to be having two turntables. Now it's having a computer. Mm. The turntables are more to create sounds than to play records. Uh, you I can, will refute that. They actually, there is a, the, the resurgence back in the 90s of the turntable, and even the 80s. Yeah, but now, I refute your refuting. I refute your refuting no, because it's, now, it's, it's propagating, modern, it's staying there. No, modern DJs have a turntable with no record on it that's plugged into computer, and the motion of the turntable remixes the music on the computer without actually having a record they on the They sell these on things the all over the market. Yeah. So it's not so much about the records themselves as the turntable aesthetic with modern technology. I still also, have seen... You, you, you do what you're describing and you risk damaging the record and how many records do you really want to go through. When you're in a digital world, you know why bother ruining anything? Yeah. So it's the next DJing step was, yeah. of DJing. Okay, I'll just say the lifestyle is remaining the same of the DJ. Yes. The composition is what's changing. Though, to be honest, the DJ gave birth to Electronica. And ever since Electronica was created, it's they've sort of maintained what they are. But but DJs are also now starting to fall under the lump of musician. Like, DJs aren't I standing out as, as much as... Like, he used to be a DJ, wasn't a musician. Now they're pretty much part a of DJ everything A DJ used to be a person who just talked about music on the radio. Then a DJ became a person who went to places and played music for the masses that was somebody else's music. Now the DJ is the creator of said music. But it's those other things, too, still, as well. Yes and no. Yes. We've lost... The aspect of the commentator. No, they're still referred to as disc jockeys on the few radio stations no, no, no. that are existing. Or MC. Yes, but it's a complete... It's MC now. It's not a DJ. Master of Ceremonies. Mm, yeah. But, but, the DJ that, the idea but the DJ... The, role, the role play, of the DJ is to lead the party. But, you know, but the DJ, keep it going. Right. The DJ who plays other people's music, though, still exists. And still exists separate from the DJ who's a musician. Yes. Because most modern DJs for weddings and events are those DJs who just play other people's music. And well, I don't want to get too far away from the topic here. I mean, I think we're on something good here, but I also want to uh, jump back overseas for really we, sh- we should bring it back around since yeah. you know we don't want to go all night, although we could. Well, I, 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 I love this topic on overseas, and I'm not sure when we're going to get back to it. So I want to yeah, mention so something else. Okay, do it. Folk culture. A lot of times, I think here over in America, we see other other cultures and we generally perceive what we can what we can gain from their musicality right. aside from perhaps scandinavia which uh, may have utilized metal regarding uh, i'm not sure if they necessarily created metal but they have probably brought it to the uh, standing that it has today most cultures apart from that example we see oh i'm going to use some uh greek sounds or Mediterranean sounds. Hey, there's this, there's this you know, thing that they have out in Southeast Asia called the sitar. Let's throw it in our album. Exactly. They see it mostly in terms of the folk. That, you could take that back several hundred years. The Something mandolin. that has existed and been relatively unchanged. And that is our entire perception of that culture's music, rather than what they have done with music as it has, as they have received it over the course of many years. I just thought it's something to notice. You know, like, you know what's interesting? Violin work has become significantly more prevalent in the United States, yet never really lost its taste in Europe. Nope. Not at all. It, it, 
especially Northern Europe. I mean, violin work never went away, but now we're seeing the violin it in rock, as an instrument in has spread throughout the world. To be honest, but it never went away in Europe. Yeah, because it's it's their instrument. It's, they own it's it. It's <laughs> quote unquote new for us over the last fifteen years, but well, it's yes, not. That is kind of totally tr- not. That's kind of weird. Well, I think that's not just uh, America per se, but that's rock culture in general. So there's uh, many many people who've grown up just within the last uh, thirty years. They grew up on rock and roll. Their definition of music sometimes goes back to 1955, and that's it. Many cases. In which case... uh, Two guitars, bass, drum. Done. Yeah, that's anything else. Oh, that's exotic. Yes. (laughs) I mean, that's a little Yeah, I mean, but that also comes with... Eleanor Rigby's It it comes with (laughs) exposure. And it depends on where your exposure stems from, whether you're in this country, the United States of America, where we live, or another country. The exposure to music is very different, and also it's changed with internet culture. You, could, I was at Steampunk World's Fair, and while uh, the wa- the Wasties were performing, there was a small child holding a Galaxy, a Galaxy phone. Right. He must have been a year and a half, maybe two. He was walking, so I guess maybe two. Two and a half. He was on YouTube, like we're on YouTube. That's at two scary. years old. He knew what to type in, he knew how to make the videos play, and he knew how to go from the suggested videos on the side to the next video he wanted to watch. That's really weird, because... kind of scary. Ten years from now, then, well, okay, a few more than that, (laughs) they'll be our age, and what will their set of influences... So do us this stuff. So do us a favor and go to our YouTube page. No, (laughs) I mean, but (laughs) it's just yeah, no, it's getting ridiculous of the amount of exposure. Like we don't, we keep going on and on and on about our generation and the previous generation. We really have no idea what the next generation is going to be like. None. It's going to be completely. And it's kind of scary, because we complain about fourteen and fifteen and sixteen and thirteen year old girls making Kesha so popular in our culture, and we complain about. How certain individuals are propagating this terrible, terribleness, but we really don't know what you know the eight-year-olds are going to be doing in ten years, fifteen years, twenty years. Yeah, I mean to be honest, uh, well, what I would like to think is that they're catching on to the same. I forget the same overhypeness. Sus- overhypeness, societal commentary. I mean, this sounds really, really silly that eight-year-olds are going around being this deep, but they're going to grow up with this discussion. But see, but perhaps. it's not. But if it's, this discussion is truly as prevalent as we think it is. But uh, it's not I, that I far-fetched, because. Technology has sped up the evolutionary process as far as when you growing up. So, so we're you basically... can grow up and gain a- its access. That's the word I was looking for. You have access at such a younger age now because cell phones are vital to safety and protection. But the to big parents. critique isn't just access because we've established that. All right, great. Everyone has uh, access to everything, but uh, how to sort through it. How do you start out? You're going to need some kind of guidance. The you world is just too big. We have it, information it, paralysis. It, it, yes and no. We, we grew do. up. No, we that's... grew up without some of this technology. So now having it, we're still on the younger side. So we learn how to master it fairly quickly. But people who are born into this technology will master it far faster than we ever can. Yes, it's but not about mastering. It's no, about it's it's about how are they actually going to be exposed to. J-pop if they're, you know, a New York City kid. How are they going to be exposed to Russian folk if they're from the Deep South? Like, I hate to make these regional generalizations, but you know what? Yeah, the internet by all means should should cut down these boundaries, but in many cases, it's inclination. 
the the region still persists. They keep the the guise of inclination uh, where it's at. Where we, it's at. We talk you know, about not isn't. We talk about Scandinavia's influence on metal and how important it is, and I don't see you know South Africa having that same sort of control in the next evolutionary step of metal because it's just not going to be how it happens. Just because there's more information and more accessibility to said information doesn't mean you're actually going to find it. And that's that whole thing. A lot of people think that, you know, the, the for the past for the past century, we've ha- been under the impression that our evolution was exponential, infinitely ex- exponential, a little redundant. But uh, modern studies are proving that for these reasons, it may be plateauing to a certain extent because uh, when it all comes down to it, it's going to it's going to be based on choice. And choice probably will have limits. How much can you really absorb in one lifetime? Yeah. And I mean, and we're getting closer to that. I mean, I saw I saw a news report, and this is kind of off topic. We're running out of Wi-Fi. We're running out of <laughs> the space and the spectrum to put this information. And that there's a good chance that in the next 30 years, they might have to regulate and limit it because we're running out of... Whatever that is, because I don't know the, the perfect... The term. electromagnetic wave. spectrum. Like, yeah, ra- we're, ra- we're running we, out we of places to put it. Radio waves. Yeah. And, you know, you can only get so infinitesimally small within the radio wave signal mm-hmm. before it starts bleeding over to the next. Yep. Then, all of a sudden, you know, you're downloading on somebody else's phone. And we're, and we're, and we're running out. And it's fascinating to think about yes. what's that going to be like 30 years from now. Yeah. Well, you also got to look at... We're from New York, for any listeners that don't know this. We're from New York City, which is, as far as cities go, quite diverse. Pretty cool. You should should come over here. If if you don't live here, visit, I've had a home-cooked Italian meal next to a sushi place. I mean, it's ridiculous what you can actually achieve. We're spoiled as hell. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Which is why, when from here, we can say, yes, everybody will be... Or everybody should be, and everybody can get this and that and the other thing. And that's not the case worldwide, that's which is true. a shame. The thing I'm, I'm, I think I'm probably most hoping for is that the youngest generation, those that are hitting 10 years old, actually grow up a little more jaded than, than what we were exposed to. Um, yeah, that's... Because jaded, a jaded nature will probably cause them not probably, will cause them to expand their knowledge base, to question things a lot more readily than even we did. And we did question it. And this mid-generation, these early 20s, late teens... <laughs> We're the meta-generation. Everything, yeah. need, everything needs to be double-checked and triple-checked. Yeah. And, and... and then it was the next generation. I'm hoping that we actually get the jaded generation. Well, I have this friend named Pete. You both know him. <laughs> Obviously. Who's Pete? Hi, Pete. Pete has a theory, because I've had this discussion with him a lot before. Uh, he has, a, per- he has a, a profound optimism in, in humanity, in the state of humanity, that we will overcome almost all these things. To some, there are days when I share it, there are days when I don't. There are days when this science seems to just kind of, you know, stare you in the face. There will be limits to our inevitable achievement. And then, you know, you hear something else in the news that says no. We can overcome it when a new thing's coming around that will compensate for what we lack in this department. I feel like it, it's we cannot have this discussion without posing that general rule of thumb that you know. 
We might, we might not. <laughs> but that's a little general. Still, but. and getting a little off topic. But yeah, I, I want to bring it back around as we start to kind of reel it into a wrap up. I want to bring it back around <laughs> to this overseas music culture. Well, yes, and the idea that what John said is actually very true. That we're and I forget this. <laughs> yeah, we're in a place where we have we have better access than most other places in the world in New York, and that someone in the deep south or in the middle of Russia or even well, that's honestly, the optimism theoretically in a more dense culture. They will have the equivalent access to us but they don't now i know that for a fact that there are places in the world that don't have the same access to diversity we have here a lot closer than we were 100 years ago so yeah again i'm playing devil's advocate right and you're right but but we're still not there yet it we're getting to the point where everyone has the access but it's not there yet okay so what's your so my point is is that i think it the, the thing that always fascinated me about a worldly music culture is that I can go on my computer now and listen to a song by Rammstein, a song by Sonata Arctica, a song by Psy, with with ease and no issue now. Whereas even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I might not have had such easy access to just pull up all these things. The idea of getting to the future is now and that we can... computer? I know. (laughs) On your computer? Forget that. I can get that off of this little home thing that sits in my hand i mean that's phones are still fascinating that's a truck i'm still i'm still s and giggles over this thing no and that i can go onto youtube and show i was showing steve uh we were talking about it last week dick dale the same time that i just finished listening to uh parts of the hymn album meanwhile this dick dale song is in black and white because it was recorded in 1969 i mean i guess too bad, digitized, permanent. <laughs> pretty but, awesome. But, they got but, here just in the nick of time. Yeah, but did. John's ha- helping me direct my point. My point is, in this wrap-up, is that the real future of access to world culture and world music and how different it is and how it'll become maybe less different over time is technology. Technology is bringing us closer together, giving us the access to stuff that we would have never had before. It's a double-edged sword because yes. it does give us too much access to certain aspects of our lives, right. which is why I rarely We're post... the double-edged sword of everything I... tonight. Which is why, no, which is why I'm always careful about not actually doing anything on Facebook. I use it to see how family is. I use it to see how people are taking things. I comment once a month. I really don't post anything because I know that once it's online, it's forever. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually quite... The defender of Facebook in terms of its ability to combine you with your circle of friends. I mean, if you consider yourself a uh, a fairly intelligent person, you will probably make friends with other fairly intelligent people, each of whom is probably very unique and will have their own very unique thing to say or will have their own set of things that they search on the Internet for. As far as I'm concerned, Facebook is one of the best ways to guide yourself through the Internet by trusting the people that you know. Yet. And using... Their but, own but, observations. But intelligence begets intelligence. Stupidity, stupidity begets stupidity. stupidity. And unemployment. Ouch. And Jeez, so many things. Guys, ow. Look at it this way. <laughs> you're starting I'm starting to hear horror stories and you're starting to see the commercials and things like that. Four people talking about, oh, well, you posted this on Facebook, you're not hired, and things like that. Oh yeah. People have yet to understand that yes, the internet gives you access to everything and it gives everybody access to what you put on it. Nobody gets that part. Nobody gets that part. Yeah, of course. The vast the parts thing, of society. I'm, I'm, 
I am summarizing in an ideal world what I believe is the profound ideal use of Facebook. I believe if everyone had will use it for that purpose, I think it's a very powerful tool. And I One agree. One of the most powerful. And I agree, but it's not there yet. It's there for you because that's how you use it. It's there for a lot of other people, too. But what I'm saying is that that's more dependent on the people, less dependent on Facebook and the internet. It's more about that person's experience with One it. One day we shall have a utopian society. But today is not that. even close to that day. <laughs> no, we're not getting to utopia anytime soon. Anyway, um, on that downturn... <laughs> Next On that horribly week. depressing note, Steve, do you have some joy wait, to wait, share? Wait, wait, wait. Hey, I ended up Me optimistically, first. I'll have you know. That's not depressing today. Do, don't we usually do um, fan mail then album? Yes. Yeah, oh. fan mail first. Oh, it's been so long since I announced what we're doing. <laughs> Leave that to the professionals. No, oh, I'm sorry. The professionals, mm-hmm. the, the guys yeah. sitting over no, there. That's my job. Psh. Okay. Our spam. The subsequent time I read a weblog, I hope that it doesn't disappoint me as much as this one. I mean, I know it was my choice to learn, however, I truly thought you'd have one thing attention-grabbing to say. All I hear is a bunch of whining about one thing that you could fix should you weren't too busy in search of attention. More. Written by more. I'm what, just curious. Did you write down what article that was on? Um, kind of no, curious. unfortunately I didn't. I'm kind of curious, just to see if, it was, really, if it was my... I'm sure it was like a picture. <laughs> <laughs> What's really curious is he never explains to us what we need to fix. Which is probably, we should probably get three new hosts. That's it. Yeah. yeah that'll Overhaul. fix all the problems. Reboot. And totally, totally farm this we'll out. We'll reboot it. Hey, this is, Holly, this is let's give this 46. podcast we're, the Hollywood reboot. We're getting pretty close to the big 5-0. You know, once yeah. we hit it, we're done. Yeah. We're going to have to contact George Lucas. When well, we hit 5-0, we'll have been doing this we'll do prequels. a year. Because we missed two episodes. We'll do prequels. And what we'll do is we'll pretend we're in like the... Podcast 19... negative one? No, we'll do like the 1976 brand new album and pretend it's brand new and pretend we're in 76. Oh, wow. Yeah, that'll be awesome. And we can't talk we'll about the internet. Provert, provided we can work it out, 50 might be a good time to start, like 50, 51, 52, to do our three classically focused podcasts. Um, I would love podcasts. that. I would Because we'd be that. getting old. But next week, we have... John's pick. My pick. And this one was, I must thank Matt on this. Uh, he told me to listen to this album, and I did, and I cried. The Heist by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Came out last year. Hip-hop album. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting review. Yeah, we, we I, I had overlooked that album last year. I hadn't heard anything about it. And then when I, the, the first time I went to Wasty's practice, Gnome and Sarah shared the, the thrift shop video with me. And I became obsessed. So we're, we're doing that next week. and um, First hip-hop. Yeah, first, first hip-hop record. hip-hop album. You don't count Flobots? Flobots is hip-hop rock fusion. Well, there you are. And on that bombshell... Music is life. And And life life is is good. good.